Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to Brian Colonial, an Alabama podcast for Alabama people part of the Armchair Media Network. I'm your host, Kevin Paul, joined today by a repeat guest. Uh, You know him, you love him. He is uh, one of the funnier uh, people on Twitter, uh, not just with Alabama sports, but also music, uh, movies, and basically anything. This guy's kind of a a jack of all trades. So welcome to the show again, Matt Speakman. Matt, what's going on, man? What's up, man? How's it going? Thanks for having me on again. Man, I'm chilling, can't complain, you know. Holiday season, you know the vibes. Don't know what day it is because it's that week between Christmas and New Year's. Yeah, exactly. That it should be illegal to have like weekdays in between Christmas and New Year's. I think I saw someone say that. And, if, and it's even worse because they're both on Fridays this year, so it, it just like ruins that next week for you. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely does. Oh man. So uh, Matt, obviously, you know the. The Rose Bowl, quote unquote, is this weekend, which Alabama plays in. But before we get to that, I just want to get your thoughts on this. It's been a pretty weird year for everyone. You know, nothing's ever going to be the same again. But I do appreciate there's a little bit of normalcy in that, you know, in the most recent bracketology, Alabama basketball was, you know, in the last, in the first four out. And that just feels like home, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, every year I get excited and then. It kind of seems like more the same. Um, I will say, you know, with this team at least, it's they've been kind of tough to watch at sometimes. But I mean, they had no preseason; they have a completely new roster, um, so it's been pretty tough. The John Petty not playing in the last game was a little worrisome, but apparently he's back and everything's back to normal. Um, I like a lot of the guys that they have on that team, and I think a lot of them have the potential to. To, to be really strong players. What they're missing is a ball handle and a point guard, which, you know, they were spoiled the last, you know, three years with Kyra Lewis and then Colin Jackson for mm-hmm. him. It's kind of really showing this year. I think they don't, they don't really have, I mean, Kyra's speed and his playmaking ability really made Alabama go last year. And that's something they're going to have to figure out. Um, yeah. So time truly is a flat circle. Alabama will win a couple of big conference games in basketball and then I think lose like four or five straight at the end of February to where they go into the SEC tournament. Playing on Thursday, not Wednesday. <laughs> Desperately winning, needing to win one of those games to be considered for the tournament. Yeah. I hope that doesn't happen, but <laughs> we're going to need to see something different otherwise. Like- I think so. It's you hit the nail on the head. I'm really hyped to start seven and three in conference play. Um, somehow, once again, finish nine and nine with a very disappointing loss to Arkansas on the last day of the regular season. Um, yeah, <laughs> Arkansas is always the one. And then getting some momentum in the SEC tournament, and then just like getting like shell rocked by Kentucky in the semifinals. Somehow, we're we're gonna be the higher seed this time, but it's still gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. Yeah. 
But uh, so, Matt, big, big, big game this weekend. Obviously, the Rose Bowl against Notre Dame. Um, you know, it, it's honestly sort of like you know the um, the holy war because Alabama is about as bad as you can get in terms of a football culture. Um, and you know, Notre Dame's Notre Dame. How do you see this game playing out? I'll just kind of start out with when Alabama has the ball, um, and then sort of go on to when Alabama's on defense. Yeah, um, I mean. I'm trying to convince myself that this will be close in some way, but I, I really don't think it will. Um, especially the way that Notre Dame played against Clemson with mm-hmm. Clemson had Trevor Lawrence. And I think Alabama has a better offense than Clemson. I think Alabama is basically better at almost every position on offense, except for quarterback maybe. Um, and I, it, it's, I don't want to say it'll be the Michigan State Alabama Cotton Bowl in 2015, but I think it might approach that level at at points. I I just don't think that they're going to be able to score to keep up with Alabama, especially, I mean, a full strength Alabama minus Jalen Waddell and Landon Dickerson, of course, but I don't think those are big enough. I mean, if six is on the field, 22 is on the field, 10 is on the field. It's going to be really hard for for Notre Dame, I think, to to keep up with Alabama. Yeah, it's you watch Notre Dame this year, and obviously they've performed well. They're what like ten and one, eleven and one, or something like that. So obviously yeah. they're doing some things right. But you look at who they've beaten this year; it's sort of like it. It reminds me, and not to just draw parallels because the teams are completely different. But it's like twenty twelve Notre Dame. They just like mm-hmm. they do exactly what they need to do to win like a single game. And then they move on. They're not just like dominating teams, like yeah, you know, like Alabama and Clemson have. And I don't like what's going to happen when it's fourteen nothing after two drives. It's like is Ian Book going to, you know, <laughs> lead the comeback? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't see that happening. But I, I will say that normally going into a game like this where we're playing a team like Notre Dame or like Michigan State in fifteen. I, and they just have, you know, the most mid quarterback in the history of the universe. Ian Book's been pretty impressive, I feel like, at points this year. Um, he, you know, Clemson's front seven is extremely good. Mm-hmm. And he was running for his life in that game and the game before. And I thought he made some plays, especially in the first game, that really kept him in it, especially scrambling and kind of thinking on his feet. But once again, I mean, you got to have some fairly elite firepower to score at the pace Alabama does. And I think we saw that against Florida. Mm-hmm. Florida's got two extremely elite talents on the outside and Pitts and Tony and a quarterback who is very, very good and can get them the ball. And they have a couple of guys around them too that are good enough to make plays like Alabama does. And even they couldn't score enough. Right. To keep up with Alabama, I mean, you've got to score at an an ungodly yeah. pace to I keep mean, up with this team. I mean, it's um, what I, I kind of hate when you know, teams say this, but Kyle Trask was like, "Man, if we just got one more possession, we would have won." And it's like, well, maybe, but you you didn't, and it, it, that just goes down to you know, Alabama forced a big turnover in the fourth quarter, and yeah, they only got three out of it against Florida, but that's still you know, that's a ten point swing where. You know, Florida could have gotten seven, but they didn't. Now them got three, and that's the difference. So Ian Book's going to have to take care of the ball, which I'm not sure he's going to do very well against 
and a defense like Alabama's. I think Clemson's defense is probably just like a half step ahead of or above Alabama right now, but uh, mm-hmm. I still think they're way too athletic to – Notre Dame doesn't have anyone that can overwhelm them, just like you said with Pitts and Tony and guys like that. And even going back to the Ole Miss game, guys like Elijah Moore and you know Kenny Yaboa, they – Notre Dame doesn't have any yeah. game, Notre Dame doesn't have any game breakers like that. Or if they do, they haven't shown themselves, you know, in the season mm. so far. Yeah, I agree. I think Notre Dame's offense kind of plays in Alabama's hands a little bit too. I don't think they do anything too complicated. Um, Alabama does some some pretty complicated stuff on offense to get those guys open. And then you see in in uh with Alabama at least when it comes down to crunch time though Sark just plays the hits. I mean we saw that last <laughs> week when they needed to score with about two minutes left. I think. I mean they ran what RPO skinny post to Devonte Smith. I'm pretty sure, and that's yeah. like I mean that is Sark's exactly Sark's man. bread and butter right there. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Sark has been. I, I do want to talk about Sark a little bit. It is crazy that. Our first experience with Sark as Alabama fans was him just not running the ball in the second half against Clemson, you know, in the national championship game, accepting mm-hmm. the accepting the OC job, and then like three weeks later taking the Falcons OC job. Uh, so just I, I just sort of explain just like you, how your feelings on Sark have evolved from you know that one disastrous half of football to now, you know, four seasons later. Yeah, he he was put in a really tough position with that game. And obviously one thing that doesn't get recognized about that game too is there are a couple of really ridiculous – I mean, one, he's kind of handcuffed because he's got a freshman quarterback who doesn't have a lot of experience Uh in a game like that and didn't necessarily – he hadn't developed the arm talent yet to get the ball down the field essentially. Um and he lost Bo Scarborough, who was playing, had the game before it was one of the best games I've ever seen by an Alabama player against Washington. Yeah. And the game against Florida, he had a pretty good game too. So, I mean, those were two, two really, you know, big, big aspects of the fact that the Clemson game turned out. And then they still only lost by three. And mm-hmm. the offense scored to go up. But, I mean, the defense was on the field for 99 plays or whatever it was. So definitely that, that was a product of Alabama's offense. Just So at first I was like, I was pretty shaky on them bringing him back. Um, I thought he did an okay job with Atlanta. Um, but now what I've seen him do has been the only, I've only been the only thing that I really get frustrated with him and me and you talk about this all the time is he runs it on suck it long. Oh. <laughs> like, like, it's someone's got a gun to his head if he doesn't and they'll pull the trigger. I mean, even to the point last week where we handed it off to Jaleel Billingsley on second and 11, which why would you ever do that? Yeah. Um, and statistically speaking, you're never supposed to run it on second long. No. So that's the only frustrating thing. And he crawled a little bit into a shell last week when they had an 11 point lead. But overall, I mean, he's been the best coordinator in the country this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was the best coordinator in the country last year too, before losing his, you know, once in a generation quarterback to you. Um, so I've been really excited about Sarkeesian. He, he's been awesome. And it looks like they're doing all they can to keep him around. Thank God. Yeah. We're pretty- I mean, no one ever leaves Clemson ever in Alabama has to deal with. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. I guess everybody <laughs> likes playing for the underdog. 
<laughs> it's the culture, man. You don't know. It's it's a family at Clemson. And yeah, and they I, don't want to leave that slide in their workout room or whatever. They don't, they don't want to leave the slide. They live on a lake. Like, dude, why would, yeah. why would anyone ever leave Clemson? And if they leave, they'll never get to talk to Marty Smith ever again because no. he practically lives there too. So if Marty if Marty Smith and his wife don't have property in Clemson, South Carolina, <laughs> I'd be shocked. That's <laughs> that's worth renting an apartment for. I do like Marty Smith. A hell of a lot more than I like Dabo, though, I will say, even though Marty Smith is ESPN Dabo. Marty Smith is like lawful good Dabo. That's who he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Or Dabo. I put Dabo at a solid neutral evil right now. Um, so speaking of, yeah. Yeah, now you spoke about you know us losing to uh, um, you know, late in the season last year and then Matt kind of taking over and really just taking the reins on the um, quarterback competition early on. Especially with no offseason and whatnot, so Bryce Young was really two steps behind. Are you entertaining the Mac versus Tua discussion at all? Is it even a discussion? Uh, you? I don't know. I I don't think so. Um, I I don't think they're just they're kind they're they're different. Um, I think Mac Mac's gotten a little greedy. I think in the last couple of games, but against Florida, I mean, he just that dude just. I mean, if the ball needs to be there, it's going to get there. Like, right. I, I can't even remember a time this season where someone was open or someone had a step on a guy and he missed the throw. I mean, I, I can't even remember a time where he had a touch. Like, there's been no plays this year where you're like, that's a touchdown, and then he just misses it. Um, right. But it, I I don't know. It's hard to say because Tua, I mean, Tua made some throws that made me rethink everything i thought about football before i mean that, <laughs> yeah, that one throw against tennessee that i think is just one of the most insane throws i've ever seen like his, fr- his freshman year right yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just different because it it's just way different this this team has a lot more balance they can sustain drives a lot more mm-hmm. um, they're not hitting they're hitting home runs but not at the rate that that team did um and i think it's actually kind of benefiting them a little bit but uh, I'd still put Mac a step below Tua, but I will say I think Mac is probably one of, I mean, one of the best quarterbacks that's ever played for Alabama. He's having one of the best seasons I think I've ever seen out of an Alabama quarterback. He's been extremely impressive. Like I said, he's gotten the ball to the guys at the right time when they need it to, and these have been throws that are that are scoring touchdowns too. I mean, he's not throwing it three yards and the guys are turning it upfield and scoring. I mean, if he doesn't make a good throw, it's not a touchdown. So, yep. I mean, he's got to get them the ball. That being said, he shouldn't win the Heisman. No, no. Devonte Smith should win the Heisman. <laughs> um, and I think there's, there's no clear cut case or there is a clear cut case for Devonte Smith. I think he will win it. Right. I think Mac, it's a toss-up between the three quarterbacks in the race right now, but Max efficiency and his quarterback rating definitely stand out. Because I mean, he's got what like seventy-five less attempts than Trask does, and like what like definitely one, a factor, and like one hundred fewer yards or something crazy like that. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, if Mac was you know air rating it out, I think he would have just as good stats. But I think I think Devontae's been the best player in the. In the country this year and yeah it, it's I, I think it's pretty obvious he's the best player in the country i don't know how you have just watched this season i think it's anyone else mm-hmm. personally mm-hmm. 
I think but to go back to your original question, I, I still put Mac below Tua, but I think you can make an argument for it. But Tua was on another level when he played for Alabama. Yeah, Tua. One of my bigger arguments of that is that they were in the same recruiting class, right? And they yeah. they, had, they had the same coaches the entire time, like mm-hmm. you know, received the same attention or whatever. But one guy was just a whole lot better. And yeah, the, the I think it's just a lot of Boomer Alabama fans appreciating that we run the ball a little bit more now, so they just yeah. like Mac more. But it's like, no, you have a guy like Tua, you should air it out thirty five times a game to yeah to Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy and Irv Smith. Like that's it would be dumb not to do that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, good coordinators adjust. I mean, Lane Kiffin loves throwing the ball, but he handed the ball off to Derrick Henry what like ninety four times in two games or whatever it was. That insane. Was. Yeah. A brief tangent. I want to talk about that 2015 Iron Bowl just very briefly because I was in, <laughs> I was in the stadium and I had had like a couple drinks, but not a lot because we were driving back um, to where we were staying that same night. So I remember thinking like, oh, Derek's gotten the ball kind of a lot this game. I didn't realize until the next morning he carried the ball 46 times. <laughs> yeah, they gave him the ball over and over and over again. It was so funny. It was so such a parallel to when they went down there with Trent and they handed the ball off to Trent like 100 times, <laughs> close to 200 yards or over 200 yards too. That game was hilarious because, I mean, Derrick Henry is – he's got – it's like – Never gets injured, really. He no. gets the ball. Even on the Titans, he gets the ball 100 times a game, too. He's never tired. I, had, I don't know. That, no, that but, but, hey, Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Clark said he doesn't like taking hits, so he's not a good running back. Oh, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Oh, man. Uh, what it's, it's really been a crazy season. So, obviously, Devontae Smith is the MVP of the 2020 Alabama Crimson Tide. But, Matt, if you had to pick one – you know, MVP, maybe MVP is not the right word, but just one like unsung hero of, you know, the 2020 Alabama team, who would it be and why? Well, I think the obvious choice would be Landon Dickerson. Uh He's hurt now. Um, And the offensive line. I mean, they give the, they give Mac uh, like 20 minutes to throw the ball. Uh One guy that I think has turned into one of the best players on the team and he had a, unreal game last week was will anderson i mean oh yeah he went through so many games without a sack and now he's got like seven and a half sacks he's like tied for the lead in the sec i mean that that guy's about as good of a young edge rusher as you can have so i would say him will anderson and landon nickerson and alex leather would have been unbelievable this year and they're two all americans obviously so those would be kind of the three guys i've been really impressed with i gave daniel wright a ton of shit all season Uh um, for certain coverage breakdowns, but I think he's been really good to you lately, especially not missing tackles. Um, And I think he, he, all those guys back there kind of get confused, Um, but I've been pretty impressed with the way he's played, particularly in the iron bowl. I thought he had a really good game. Yeah. It's, you know, I think he was just trying to do too much early on. Like as a safety, your job is to clean up, you know, you, the best Alabama safeties, you know, Mink is a different example because he yeah. played so close. He played so close to the line every time. And Eddie, cyborg. And Eddie Jackson's a fucking freak. But as a yeah. safety, your jo- as a safety, your job is to just clean up. Like if it gets to you, end it right there. And yeah. I, I think he was just trying to make way too many big plays. But mm-hmm. I mean, after the Ole Miss game, and 
Florida's just a different example because, like we talked about, Florida's got firepower. Just like that's unreal. Yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of glad those guys aren't coming back because, holy <laughs> shit, we, we play them next year again. Like, yeah. Damn. Um. But yeah, uh, shout out to Daniel Wright. I was kind of leading the charge in that Daniel Wright is not good, but I'm not sure who we would play uh, ahead of him. I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, if he's out there. From a DP standpoint, that means he's the exactly. best option. So yeah. Speaking of that, you you talked about the last time we were on that um, about how if you're if you don't get on the field by your sophomore year for Saban as a DP, the, the writing's on the wall. Just you know, go yeah, go be an accountant or some shit. <laughs> but I just piggybacking off what you said, tying that into what you said about Will Anderson. Has there been a, a freshman edge rusher that's had this kind of impact under Saban? Man, I can't even think. I can't even think. I mean, a lot of the times it's a, it's guys. I mean, you always hear about them. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say late in the season with Rashawn Evans. Oh, uh, he yeah. was really strong. I think late in the season, and then his sophomore year, um, that 2014 Iron Bowl, Rashawn Evans made a lot of impact getting in the backfield and pressuring uh, Nick Marshall. But mm-hmm. and then in the 2015 National Championship, him and Deshaun Hand were really good. But I can't think of anybody, anybody else that has had this much of an impact has gotten on the field. That's why I think it's such a big deal that he's out there. It was such a big deal that him and um, who's the guy behind Drew Sanders yeah, making so much noise in camp. And then Will Anderson gets the nod to start. And now he's got eight or so sacks. I mean, that's, that's definitely a really, a really big deal for Alabama who usually has a lot of guys who can rush the passer really well. Right. I do think it's kind of funny how a lot of the boomer, I, I got to come up with a different name besides just boomer Alabama fans, but they were just like, yeah. why tier, are we, why? exactly. These are, but these are tier four or fives, man. I, yeah. I'm kind of talking about <laughs> why is Will Anderson getting all this attention? He doesn't have any sacks. And it's like, Oh, well he still leads the sec in pressures. And it's like, yeah. and, he's, and he's 18. Like he's got, <laughs> yeah, rushing the quarterbacks about more than just sacking him. Exactly. And then just, boom, in the last, like you said, three or four games, he's gotten up to however many sacks. And he's leading the SEC in sacks. As a, He was in high school last year. Mm-hmm. What's also really impressive, too, uh, is that I don't I don't know if Alabama necessarily has a, like a dominant space eater in the middle this year. Mm-hmm. Like they have, like, you know, some of the years it was like, oh, Tim Williams is getting a lot of sacks because, you know, Ashawn Robinson is eating up a ton of space in the middle. So he's right. one on the outside. Or, or like Deron Payne. Is just yeah, like with Deron Payne taking on three blocks or something. But I think Will Anderson's probably gotten a lot of attention this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's still been able to do what he's done. And Chris Allen, too, on the other side, has been really good, I think, last couple of weeks. Chris Allen just kind of – he's a guy that I had high hopes for at the beginning of his career. And obviously he was behind a lot of like great pass rushers, guys like Anthony Jennings, you know, Terrell Lewis, uh, Christian Miller. But eventually he just like said, oh, hey, I'm a former four-star recruit. That's a senior now. And that's had four years in the strength program. And now, <laughs> now he's, he's second in the SEC in sacks. So it's, you know you – know, do you know what city he's from, Matt? Would you happen to know where Chris Allen's from? I'm at a loss. It's you know it it my notes say that he's from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Oh, that's great. Doesn't Alabama also have another guy on their defense that starts? He's really good. He's yeah, also he's from there. Maybe like the 
top five linebacker in the country, Christian Harris. Yeah, it looks like he's from Baton Rouge as well. That's crazy. Dude, you may not know this, but Devontae Smith, he's from Louisiana. <laughs> what? <laughs> and he chose to play at Alabama over Louisiana State University. That's, that's going to be really <laughs> tough. God, Devontae is one of my favorite recruiting stories because he was committed to Georgia like kind of early on. And then he decommitted. And then I remember LSU fans were like, yes, we're going to get him. And then he just chose another team that's not LSU again on signing day. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, man. Just national signing day, man. I, I'm so glad that I'm at the point in my life where I halfway pay attention over the summer. And then I just – I fully invest for like you know 48 hours right around the early signing period, and that's it. Mm. This year has been absolutely ridiculous. I mean, every all these guys that they're getting, it's absurd. I mean, it's, I've never seen a. I mean, the best recruiting class of all time, in my opinion, is the two, uh, you know, Devontae mm-hmm. Smith, Jerry oh, Judy, yeah. Henry Ruggs, Xavier McKinney, Dylan Moses. Right. All of those guys. And, and one, and Najee Harris, too. And this, this one, I think, is ranked either second or third behind. That one, and then one from Florida, I think, in terms of composite scores. So right. it's going to be a ridiculous recruiting class that they have coming in. They have the top two offensive tackles. In the <laughs> this this class is unreal because, our, first of all, I, I'd have 2013 Alabama up there, maybe just a shade behind 2017, but that was the one with, like, John Allen, Derrick Henry, O.J. Howard, um, Ashawn Robinson, you know, all those guys. So – Still, I think the 201 pits are over the top because the 2013 quarterback was like Cooper Bateman. So it's, you know, <laughs> so that's up at 2017 over. Hey, God bless Cooper Bateman's soul. Copper <laughs> Batman. What a guy. <laughs> this class is unreal because when, you know, we were kind of still like putting the final touches on the class, it's like, man, Kool-Aid would just be like the cherry on top because we still need a cornerback, and we got it. And then we've signed like three other high-profile guys yeah. since then, too. It, I like this little, like, Oklahoma thinks they're getting a running back, and then we steal him from the <laughs> game that we've been playing with Jace McClellan last year and then the guy that they just got the other day to you, who's like, you know, Alabama now is just destroying in Texas, too. Oh, yeah. You've got, like, what, five of the top 15 guys in Texas, something like that? Yep, and they have four of the nine best receiver recruits coming, too. So, Whenever whenever we flip that guy, uh, JoJo Earl, the receiver from Texas, from LSU, Yeah, one of my LSU friends just sent, like, no context, just sent me the gif of uh, Jesse from Breaking Bad. (laughs) It's like, Uh, you can't can't get away with this. (laughs) Oh my gosh! I, you know, I, Alabama fans have been giving LSU fans a lot of shit this year for you know them sucking and they're terrible and mm-hmm. all their players are leaving and stuff. Um, but they were like the best team ever last year, and after everything they've been through, I've decided to kind of let them have this, their this this one for the next like four years, I think. Yeah, and the contract will expire. I'm still going to talk shit about them every time we beat them because it's hilarious that things are just kind of going back to normal. Um, but I mean, dude, if they whooped our ass for 
however many years in a row and then we put together that team i would never shut up about it no i I, look i completely get why they are the way they are about 2019 again like maybe the best team ever pretty easily one of the top five teams ever yeah (laughs) yeah um but it's like yeah the i care about bama beating the shit out of lsu because i i'm I'm a bama fan and you know that's one of our rivals (laughs) you know that's so that game when they're all like i can't believe you're getting so hyped about this it's like we hate lsu period just like yeah i get hyped about this game every year Exactly. We were about this shit when you guys were like eight and five in 2014. <laughs> like, you know, it, it, it is what it is. But yeah, like you, it's, you are allowed to talk for, if you put a team together like that, you're allowed to talk about that for five years. Just like you said, just yeah. you know, five years total. And then it's like, okay, like, can you do anything else, please? Just, and yeah. I don't, I don't mind beating them the way we do. If we beat them 55, 17 or something similar to that every year, I'm just, that's going to be awesome to me. It, that doesn't get old for me. T Bob, a bear. That's not <laughs> <laughs> this that's- conversation right here is why I was so happy when they ranked Notre Dame number four is because we're, I just, that I just feel like we're going to kill them. So it's funny that we could spend other time talking about other things. <laughs> That's why when everybody was so mad that they ranked Notre Dame number four, I was like, this is awesome. So it's just like, I mean, they gave Clemson a buy in 18 by playing them. Now we, oh. had, we had to play fucking Kyler Murray. <laughs> Dude, that was a, we were the one seed and we got Kyler fucking Murray in the first round. Yeah. And- Clemson came out. There are players that came out and said, "Like, oh yeah, we spent like you know two days on Notre Dame. We just like prepared for Bama the entire <laughs> the entire month leading up to you know that game." It's like, oh fuck, sweet, awesome, thanks. <laughs> yeah, jeez. I think I think they're in good shape on Friday. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a blowout. Hopefully, I think if Alabama, if it's a close game, or if Alabama um, somehow loses, it's going to be their fault. <laughs> oh yeah, Notre Dame. Like we said, Notre Dame's not just going to line up and beat Alabama. Notre Dame doesn't have the guys that were like because you look at Alabama's past playoff losses. It's like, all right, Ohio State had one of the best O lines ever, and Ezekiel Elliott, you know, mm-hmm. and then Cardell Jones just like blacking out and playing out of his mind. Yeah, <laughs> 2016. It's like oh Deshaun Watson, but also like Mike Williams and you know yeah. Wayne, Wayne Goldman. And then 2018 was just like, like Savion Smith guarding Justin Ross. It's like that's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> Love you, Savion. I hope you're doing well. But yeah, 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 exactly. So those are like, does Notre Dame have a Justin Ross and Ezekiel Elliott? They got good, good players. They're 11 and one. But yeah, I don't think, I don't. I think they're in for a rough day. Yeah, just like so, they were against Clemson. Exactly. So, Matt, I'm not even going to ask for a score prediction um, from this game because it's just uh, – right? <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah. You can still give one if you want. A lot to a little. <laughs> I, I do want to know, um, how do you see Alabama football faring for next year? Obviously got a strong recruiting class coming in right off the heels of two pretty good recruiting classes. Bryce Young, Matt Jones is probably going to the draft, um, making room for Bryce Young. So just want to know like what your views are on – you know how you see the team going forward? Uh, I mean, I think they'll be really talented. Um, I think they have a lot of guys next year that'll benefit from getting a little bit of the spotlight. Um, John Mechie, I think will play really well next year. He'll be a number one target 
I think they've got some guys uh, behind them that are really good. Javen Baker is getting a lot of high piece of freshmen. Treshawn Holden's really fast. He's gotten on the field some and, and punched on at running back. I think they're going to be really good next year. If Trey mm-hmm. Sanders comes back, he's fully healthy. And Jace McClellan's look like an absolute home run hitter when he's in there. And then on defense, they should be pretty good. I mean, it, it'll be exciting to see how the offense changes with Bryce down. Cause he seems to have a little of, seems to run those RPOs kind of like Tua does mm-hmm. a little bit. He's got a quick decision. He can, kind of rip the ball so the offense may look a little different next year but i mean i think they'll be they'll be really talented i think we won't really know how good they are until the first couple of weeks because a lot of the guys who are playing have never they haven't played in you know big situations before but i don't see there being much of a drop off especially like you said with the classes they have coming in right I am. Um, I'm very excited for a junior DJ Dale and a sophomore Tim Smith in the middle for Alabama. Oh yeah, that's just. I'm just gonna laugh nonstop at that. Um, I I do think if I don't know what the full schedule is, I do know we're scheduled to play Miami. You know, in week one in Atlanta, and I think if slash when we win that one, it's there's not really a big threat on the schedule it's until like LSU, who brings yeah. back literally like everybody. Yeah. Maybe they can. Maybe Alabama can snag Reek Gilbert, and then it'll be just we'll just set everything on fire. <laughs> oh man! Just imagine us going four wide, but two of the four are Reek Gilbert and um, Jaleel Billingsley. <laughs> yeah, well, I forgot he'd he'd be coming back. He's been a really, really good weapon for Alabama. So yeah, I, you know, it's just like every year. I think they'll they'll be really strong. I think whenever he makes like a big play, I think I I'm looking on the timeline for it, like clockwork. You tweeting out the Billingsley video. Oh uh, yeah, Billingsley. <laughs> from yeah, I love Lawrence. that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, folks, uh, this is Matt Speakman uh, again. You know, one of my dear friends, um, former guest on the show. You're a repeat guest now, so you know. Just, Hell yeah, you're in the Brian and Colonial Hall of Fame. Um, along with Cruz and Lacey. So congrats. Uh, wow. That's the top <laughs> tier right there. It's a big day. The, 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 the big three of dump Twitter. <laughs> I haven't necessarily, I'm slowly breaking through into the gump Twitter. It's a, uh, there's a lot of terms, you know? Yeah. You got, you got to tweet shit with hours a lot. In it. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of how I first. Played. I haven't necessarily broken through, but I'm, I'm getting there. You're, you're getting there. Uh, so, uh, folks, thanks again for listening. This is Matt Speakman. Follow him on Twitter at SpeakmanMC. Um, this is Brian and Colonial, a podcast, uh, an Alabama podcast for Alabama people. Uh, like, subscribe, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we will see you soon. Uh, so until then, thanks. Bye. <laughs>